you need a mix of teaching and content where the viewer can really get to know you as the teacher. They're going to want to hear from you if you've allowed them to get to know you. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. I'm one of your hosts, Femke. And I am your other host, Charlie. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about how to start and run a design YouTube channel. This is a topic that kind of came up in our last episode when we were talking about our 2020 resolutions, goals, whatever the heck you want to call it, plans, intentions. <laughs> and Fem, your intention this year is to focus more on your YouTube channel, on, mm-hmm. on growing that. It's mine too. Obviously, I, I mean, I feel like it's my been my intention every year since I started it to work on growing it. But yeah, we thought today we would talk about design YouTube channels because I've had a few people ask me for advice on getting started or um, how to grow one. And so I think it'd be good to share because there can never be too many design YouTube channels in my personal opinion. Yeah, totally true. It's always good to have like different opinions and different points of views. One of the reasons I started my channel was because I thought there was actually a lack of design related YouTube channels. So the more the merrier in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. So there's room for everyone. So yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. Should we do a quick catch up first? It hasn't been too long actually since we last recorded, but I'm keen to hear how your new year went, Fem, and what you've been up to. Relatively uneventful. Uh, (laughs) I went to a friend's house, which was really nice. It was so interesting to see how different New Year's is celebrated here compared to... Interesting, okay. In Amsterdam, it's like a war zone, like... People are setting off fireworks and firecrackers and at midnight it's like 360 degree view of fireworks. It's just crazy. I I hear that like people will go to Belgium to buy illegal fireworks and then take them back to the Netherlands. So they're like huge, huge fireworks. Uh, So I don't know that this year in Canada, I was like, where are the fireworks? It's very, very tame. I was used to like just this kind of war zone style of like everyone celebrating. And then I was also kind of surprised we had on the, I don't know what you call it, the Times Square New Year's Eve where the ball drops. I don't know if you've heard of that, that they do every year at midnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought it was super, super strange that after the ball dropped, it ended. Like the the show just ended, everybody went home. And I was like, wait, isn't this when the party should start? Like bring <laughs> out the music, bring out the dancing, like celebrate the new year. But like, I don't know, they just like ended the the show and like everyone went home. And I don't know, it was, it was very, very different from what I'm used to in Europe. Yeah, that I mean, I would have assumed that too, that once the ball drops, it's like, well, it's the new year, time to party celebrate. Time. <laughs> yeah, although I say that, but um, I went to bed well, surely after midnight. So yeah, I, I had a, a very tame New Year's at home. Um, a previous New Year's, it was a long time ago, to be honest, that I spent in Valencia. Uh, I noticed that they don't do like a public fireworks display here. Mm. So like we weren't didn't go seeking fireworks because we didn't think they did one. But then the clock strikes midnight and we start seeing fireworks going up from the main square. And I was like, damn it. I wish that we'd gone like to see that, but you know, we could still see it from our bedroom window. So that was kind of nice because afterwards we also didn't have to walk home. So that was cool. (laughs) That is ideal. Yeah. On our way home last night, Owen and I were like 
so next new year should we just stay at home and eat cheese and drink wine and play a board game and we were like yes that is exactly what mark and i did we were playing board games right up until like 11 50 then we're like okay we're gonna get ready for the countdown amazing yeah i want to do that next year fun times well should we get into today's episode let's i mean new year's was a while ago for the people listening now so yeah, we should probably so. stop boring so. them for with us that. it's still very recent yeah so fem what you you mentioned that you started your channel because there was a lack And I mean, I agree, but also there is way more than when I started, like there is at least some now. What, what did you see was missing and what, I guess, are there, are there more gaps that you see that other people could perhaps fill with a YouTube channel? Oh, I think for me, the main gap I saw was channels focused on product and UX Mm -hmm. design Mm -hmm. there, at least from like my browsing on YouTube, I found a lot of channels about like graphic design or illustration or like freelancing and that kind of stuff, which is really great. Um, But I wanted to learn more about product design and UX and like thinking back to when I was transitioning from my business marketing degree into my quote unquote second career of like design, I would have loved for there to be some sort of online resource where I could watch videos and learn from actual people that are like in their career working in product design And so, I don't know, I just felt like, okay, I feel like there's a gap. Maybe it's something I could talk about. I have seen a few uh, product design focused channels, but most of them are run by men. And so that was another really important thing to me where I felt like I wanted to bring my voice, my perspective as a woman in tech uh, and hopefully help other young early stage designers. I love that. And I think if anyone listening has been searching for a type of content online, whether it's a video or blog or whatever, and you can't find exactly what you're looking for. Honestly, I think that's a sign that maybe you need to create it for yourself Mm. because with the number of people there are in the world, you can guarantee that you are not the only person who is searching for this and who is wanting to see content like this. So yeah, it's awesome that you decided to take the leap and be the person to make that content yourself. That, I mean, your story just, as you're saying, it sounds, I can put myself in those same <laughs> shoes I was in about six years ago before I started my channel. It was the same thing. I was like, I want to see videos from people working in design. Like, I don't want to see tutorials. I just want to like hear about their lives. And yeah, that's why I started my channel. And, and here we are. I think that that's a good enough reason as any. <laughs> to start a design YouTube channel, honestly. Totally. And something I've like found is that it's, it's common to come across these kind of like day in the life of designer videos or like these kind of one-off, interesting, like very valuable, useful design videos. And I'm like, Oh great. Like then I go and check out their channel hoping to find more, but often it's not a design focused YouTube channel. Like they just did this one-off video and then the rest of the videos are, you know, related to whatever else. Uh, and that, I don't know, I'm always bummed when I come across that. I'm like, Oh damn it here. I thought I was going to find like another really great design YouTube channel, but, uh, no, it was just a one-off video. So I really wanted to have like a very, very focused channel. That's all about product design. And I don't know, that's not to say that in the future I might film videos about something else, but for now, this is kind of my core focus. That makes sense. And honestly, that's my first piece of advice. And you've started out the gate doing this. So I think that puts you ahead of a lot of other people already. It took me about mm, maybe three years 
to fully focus on design on my YouTube channel. I was doing a bunch of random stuff when I started design videos along with other things, which I don't regret because I was enjoying making that stuff and I was like figuring out what I wanted to make videos about, you know. Totally. But it, it wasn't until I really did focus on design videos that my channel started to see the success that it's had because people want to be able to describe your channel to others and recommend you to others. That's how you're going to get it spreading. Um, I've had so many subscribers from being put on these like top design channels on YouTube lists that I don't think I would have been on if I was still making this mix of videos that I was previously. So having a focus is great. And I love that you've focused not only on, your, only on design, but on product design specifically within that. Yeah, that was really important to me. I didn't want to have a like vague design channel. And I also wanted to focus on something that I feel like I am a quote unquote expert in, right? Like something mm -hmm. that I have experience in, something that I'm passionate about and can speak deeply to. That's also really important for me is something I'm trying to figure out now is how to go deeper rather than wider, if that makes sense. So like, yeah, I want to make sure that my videos are like, going deep into a topic or a problem and not just kind of skimming the surface of, of a topic where like you could have just got that from some lightweight blog post, you know? Yeah, totally. I think that um, in saying this though, I want to encourage anyone who is thinking about starting a channel for themselves or perhaps has, and I don't know, is finding it difficult for any reason. When you're starting out, the most important thing you're doing honestly is building up a habit of creating and building up the practice figuring out what, what it means for you to make videos might look different and sound different from someone else making videos mm -hmm. and, and that habit, that practice and, uh, figuring out what you want to talk about. And to do that, it might mean making videos about different types of stuff. Like for you, Fem, I don't think that you should shy away from, uh, I don't know, for example, if you wanted to make a video about hand lettering illustration, you could do that. You could try it out. If that was something that you felt passionate about, um, put it on your channel, see how it performs. Maybe you've, you strike this like gold, you know, that people are interested <laughs> in this crossover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I just wanted to say that. And while we're talking about niching, don't be afraid to experiment with little things either. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my first year on YouTube has really been an experiment of what kind of content works. And I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to find a balance. I don't know if you struggle with this at your size of audience between like creating content that you want to, to create something about, like something that you're excited about versus content that your audience wants. Like sometimes that doesn't overlap. Uh, so I don't know if you have any advice there on how to like strike that balance between creating something you enjoy versus something that like is what your audience is asking for. Yeah, that's something that I definitely deal with all the time. And mostly this sounds really selfish and please none of my viewers listening to this be offended <laughs> when I say this. Mostly I do what I want to do. Like I have a vision for where I want my channel to go and what I want to be known for teaching. Yeah. And there's been a few times I've strayed from that. And I don't know, I'm not really proud of those videos, I suppose. I can't think of an example of one off the top of my head, but there's lots of things people ask me to make videos about that I, I'm like, sorry, I'm not the right person to teach you that, mm, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, you know what your skill set is and, um, what, what knowledge you want to pass on and what you want to be known for passing on. So go with that. But also if you keep getting these requests, then have a think about it. Like for me, uh, people 
always say they love my vlogs and every single vlog I put out, I'm like, this is, surely this is boring. Like, <laughs> surely this is just another week of me in my freaking office. Yeah, right. Doing design <laughs> projects. Maybe I go to a coffee shop once. Like, I feel like it's the same thing. Like, maybe I should stop making vlogs. And then I publish it and people love it. And people are like, when's the next one coming out? I miss your vlogs. That's so interesting. Yeah. Exactly. And so you should keep an ear out, but also... Um, Trust your gut too, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm curious to know, Femme, because you said that this year has been an, like a year of experimentation for you on YouTube. What has worked for you? What videos that do hit that crossover of ones that are successful with the audience and also that you've really enjoyed creating and sharing? Mm. Any video I make that is like really nitty gritty on the product design stuff does well. Cool. I think my most successful video is I did one about... I think it's titled like how to get a job at Uber, my take home assignment. Mm -hmm. And that has by far been my most popular video because I really go into detail and I actually show my assignment. And then I also did a video about like how to write user stories and how to use this in the product design process. Like anything where I talk about like the actual tools of the trade and different like design techniques that you could apply to your design process, that seems to do pretty well. Cool. That's great. And so have you then been thinking about other nitty gritty things you can do and share? Uh, so that's where I have been struggling because no, I haven't. Uh, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's like imposter syndrome. Like I'm afraid to share what I think is the way and fear that like maybe it's not correct or not good enough or compared to someone else's that, you know, there might be conflict or maybe just like the effort, because I do find those videos a lot of effort. I really have to plan them and structure them. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but something is holding me back from like putting more time, focus and energy into those kinds of videos, even though they do really well. It might be both things, to be honest. I, I definitely like resonate with you on that first point of the imposter syndrome worrying that this is not the correct way and you're sharing it in a video. So it's right, exactly. sort of like drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I used to think that too. And I don't anymore. And do you know why? No, why? It is because I realized that everything I share is my process and that I am a design professional. I am paid a salary to do my design work. My design work is well received. It meets business goals using these processes that I'm going to share, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know in myself that I have had success with this process. It might not be right for everyone. Maybe other people have other ideas and, and ways this could be done, but it's worked for me. And so it's worth sharing with other people because it might work for them too. I think that's what you have to have in mind. Yeah, that's a really, really good way to think about it. I think I also get caught up on whenever I have a video idea, I'll actually search it to see what other people have done on this topic. And sometimes that will just stop me straight away. Like, oh, well, there's already like 10 videos about how to create journey maps. So I don't need to create another one, for example. But I don't know. I think that's kind of like an irrational thought too. Cause like you're saying, maybe I have something unique about my process that works well for me. That might be different from the videos already out there that could be helpful for someone. So I don't know. I need to figure out how to get over this little hurdle, I guess. And I think the only way you can get over it, honestly, is just to keep making more videos and <laughs> yeah. get those negative comments where someone tells you you're wrong and realize that you don't actually care <laughs> and that yeah. you know you're right. <laughs> I haven't really gotten any hate yet. I I'm like so surprised. I think I maybe got one comment 
in the whole year that I was like, hmm, that's not very nice. And I don't know. I'm like, is, is everyone in the design YouTube community just really nice? Or like, am I not pushing the boundaries enough? Or yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. I think that design YouTube does get less hate than other sectors of YouTube do because to be honest, we're not really a sector that attracts teenagers as our main target audience. Um, and yeah. immaturity. <laughs> yeah, teenagers, immaturity, you know, that's no offense to you listening if you're a teenager. If you're a teenager listening to this show, you are obviously not immature. Yeah, you that. are way ahead of your time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's the case. I, I mean, every now and then you get a know-it-all who will comment and, you know, say that they their way is the best way and you've done it all wrong or whatever but it is rare to be honest I don't get a whole lot of it and I have 146,000 people who whose my videos go into their subscription box so there's like a higher chance right yeah of getting this hate and I still don't get that much so you know I think that we are we've picked a good niche basically <laughs> how do you deal with like controversy like I I stumbled upon an old somewhat old video of you a few days ago where I think you did like a designer's review of the surface book pro or something like Ooh, that yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know where I'm going with this oh yeah um how do you deal with that because like I have some ideas for like things that I want to give my opinion on but I am terrified of people being like this is so opinionated you're so biased blah 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 like you don't know anything how, how do you deal with that? Because that seems really, really challenging. It was challenging at first, but w what frustrates me more is that, okay, you were a person on the internet looking for reviews on a tool, a, a product, whatever it is, right? And you click on a video and you watch it and they don't, the person didn't agree with the opinion you brought into it. Mm -hmm. And so you tell them that they're biased, but like you're watching this video to get someone's thoughts, right? you're not watching it to see someone read off a specs sheet and give a completely unbiased, like, oh, it goes this fast. Right, like, right, right. If you want that, then you can look on an actual tech review website or whatever. Like, don't come to the personal YouTube channel of someone who shares their life, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's how I get past those types of comments because I'm like, this is just my opinion. I'm sharing it. Yeah. If you, like, you came to the wrong place if you wanted something unbiased, literally everything on my channel is going to be biased because it's about me and it's about my life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think, like, as I'm talking to you about this, I'm realizing that I think I just have some fears that I just need to push through. And I think right now I'm in a really comfortable comfort zone space I guess with my channel like right like you've got into a good flow with making videos yeah you know you know what you can make yeah. yeah I know what I can make I feel like I have a good rhythm but what I'm missing is the growth and I think that's where I have to sort of challenge myself push myself a little bit more outside my comfort zone try some you know different style or kind of videos or like I mentioned in the last episode maybe doing a series or something like that and just sort of playing a little bit more, but pushing the boundaries a little bit further and seeing how that gets received. Yes. Should we talk about, should we like go into growth right now? Because yeah, I think let's. that's something that a lot of people would be interested in too. So I like that you are planning on making this series. I think that's a great way to grow is to start a series because if someone likes one video, they're likely to watch the rest. Mm -hmm. A series works, not just you know, posting it, oh, for the next four weeks, I'm going to have people coming back to my channel to watch this video. For years, 
in the future. If people see one video in the series, YouTube will suggest to them if you've like tagged stuff and you know named it properly. It so that yeah. It, yeah, it appears as a series. YouTube will suggest the other videos to them, and if they like the first video, they'll probably watch the second, and so on. So yeah, series is is a great idea for growth. Really, so all the advice that I've had about YouTube, and this comes from YouTube itself, I was on YouTube Next Up a few years ago, uh, which was like a like a week-long creator camp thing where they gave us all this help and advice with our channel. So you need a, a few different types of content. Series is one of them. Um, then there's like your regular content, which for me and you is more like educational, I suppose, in nature. You also want some form of what they call tent pole content. So that's like the big splashy videos that are going to see like a spike in your views, hence okay. tent pole. You know, if you could imagine like a graph with the view line going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am envisioning it. <laughs> yeah. So that could mean videos around a certain topic that's really popular at that moment in time that you know that everyone's going to be searching for it right then and there. So it's going to be like, you know, that's going to drive that big spike in views. It could be something with like extra production value around it or something that you've like super hyped up, you know, so that becomes the special piece of content that brings the views. Um, what else could Tempole be? I mean, I, I probably should have read the YouTube like channel guidelines thing before trying to spout all this off from the top of my head. Basically what I'm trying to say is that you do need some sort of variation in your content. Um, there's these ongoing series of things. There's your regular like everyday type of videos. There's the more special ones. Like if um, people are going to watch anything, it would be that one sort of thing. And I think you also as education channels, which is what I would categorize most design YouTube channels as, um, you need a mix of teaching and content where the viewer can really get to know you as the teacher because that's what's gonna make them pick your video out of those you know before you said oh there's already 10 videos on this topic they're gonna want to hear from you if you've allowed them to get to know you and to to like you as their teacher right yeah they're gonna start to prefer you as their teacher of that content as opposed to anyone else which is why they'll seek it out on your channel um, and why they'll become like a regular viewer and not just someone who watches one video, learns a thing and then and moves on. Goes away. Yeah, goes away and never comes back again. That's so funny that you say that because I was literally just thinking about this this morning was I realized that I don't really have any personal videos on my channel. And by that, I mean, like, I don't even have a video talking about like my design journey or like there's nothing that kind of convinces people why they should listen to me, why I have experience, why what I'm saying has any value or any merit. I haven't really done any videos about like my journey, who I am, where my design background came from. Uh, and maybe that's something that's actually really missing from my channel, because if I started talking a little bit more about that, then I, I think that might help me gain a bit more trust from my audience. And also, like you said, help them kind of like see me more as a person and somebody that they can relate to, I suppose. Definitely. That was going to be my advice to you because I was looking at um, what videos you already had published today. And I was thinking that that's, that'd be a good thing for you to add is some like day in my life type of videos or like my, what my experience in design school, my design journey, yeah, my design yeah. career, things like that, that people can watch. Uh, those types of videos are quite popular because we always want to know 
what about other people's experiences with that sort of thing? Like we're nosy creatures <laughs> and um, yeah, I personally like to watch that sort of stuff and I probably watch that sort of stuff more than I do regular education content. If that makes sense. I tend to, Oh yeah. I seek out educational content when there's something specific I want to learn usually. Right. Whereas the more general, like life as a designer type videos, I'll watch anytime because I just think it's interesting and I think it's much better to spend my time watching that type of content versus I don't know whatever happens to be on Netflix that day so I think you should make more of that I think that'd be awesome yeah yeah I'm realizing now that I haven't really given my viewers any reason to trust me (laughs) in a way or like any way to like validate that what I'm saying has some kind of merit That's true. But also you don't have to do this through individual videos. Like it's also comes across in the way you present any other type of content. Like, like we do at the start of these episodes, we do a little catch up. We tell people about our lives, what we're getting up to. We don't want to be just random voices talking about a specific topic every week. We want to, we want you to know us as people. And so it's the same through your videos. You can um, let your personality shine through in those as well. Yeah. This is giving me a lot of ideas. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. What other questions do you have for me? Like we, we talked about in, in our 2020 intentions video, you were like, yeah, this is stuff I want to learn and what I want to work on. What do you want to know? Uh, I guess another question I have is around like evergreen content versus like you were saying, I guess the more tentpole kind of style content where it's like, maybe there is some new feature that's launched in a design tool. And like, that's a really hot topic right now and people are searching for it. So boom, there's a video. I've been trying to figure out how I can balance those two out and incorporate like, I feel like most of my videos right now are very evergreen. So I've been trying to think about ways that I could have more like hot topic kind of style videos that are relevant to like whatever is happening in the design industry right now. Um, But I don't know, for some reason, I just, I, I either like find that I don't have an opinion or like don't have or don't want to put in the time to like quickly make a video about something that just came out. I don't know. How, how do you kind of, do you consciously balance those? Like, Oh, I need to do another like hot take video or, Oh, I need to do more evergreen content. How does that kind of work for you? I really honestly do not think about it in that detail. Okay. (laughs) Um, My, I go with my gut and what I'm wanting to make. And I know that there's a lot of things that happen in the industry where I'm like, Oh, I know if I made a video about this, it would get a lot of views. Like people are really interested in this topic at the moment. But it takes time. Like you said, you've got to make yourself suddenly drop everything and make the time to make that video right there and then essentially so you can get it up the next day or maybe the same day to capitalize on it. Yeah. And so the only time I do that sort of content is when I'm really excited or like passionate about the thing or like I just really feel like making it. That's the only time you'll see that type of content from me because otherwise, I don't know, just life's short, man. Can't can't be dropping everything to make a video about whatever the design Twitter is talking about that week. So, <laughs> but it is a good way to get views. So I do recommend that you try it. If you find there is one thing that you're excited about or, you know, particularly passionate about and you want to share your thoughts, if it's something that, um, I don't know, maybe you start to join in some Twitter conversations about it and you're bouncing back and forth with people sharing your opinion, make a video about it. Just turn on the camera and record it. And yeah, that's, that's an awesome opportunity. Do you mind if for the last topic we talk a little bit about monetization? Because I Go for it. feel like there's probably people listening that want or have this sort of more monetization goal in mind for YouTube. 
um, what's kind of been your experience with monetizing on YouTube? And especially like once you switched your channel to more of a design focused channel, what kind of monetization strategies have worked or have not worked for you? Yeah. So YouTube AdSense is something that will very likely not pay off for you for a long time when you're first getting started. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, I don't know, read these stories about YouTubers earning millions from YouTube ads and they start the channel and they're like, where's my ad money? I got <laughs> where's my millions? That video. <laughs> yeah. But what those articles usually don't say is that A, those YouTubers uh, have many million more subscribers than you and that's why they're earning a lot from ads. But also they're not just earning from an ad that plays before their video. They're earning from ads that they physically present themselves in the video, which is what we call sponsored content. And that's where the real money is on YouTube, more so than AdSense. So yeah, brands can sponsor sponsor you to, maybe they'll you'll read out a 30 second thing or incorporate a product into the video, that sort of thing. That's a way to monetize on YouTube. My approach to sponsorships and things uh, has mostly been like, okay, so how do I put this? I turned down a lot of sponsorships because there's a lot of products and brands that I personally don't use. Right. And I know that many full-time YouTubers, I'm not necessarily a design one, so no one think I'm hating on anyone or anything like that, but some YouTubers will promote whatever they're paid to promote because it's a job. Yeah, it's money. <laughs> and it's like not a bad product. You know, maybe they try it for 10 seconds and they're like, meow, this candle smells good. I'll promote this, that sort of thing. Um, why not? Personally, because I'm not doing YouTube full-time and I'm not interested in doing it full-time, I don't think I'm the best person to give advice on this because I turn down a lot of money that of like, you know, sponsorships that come my way because it's a brand I've never heard of. It's a product I've never used. And sure, I could put in the time to use the product, check out the brand more and see if it would align with my values and what I want to put on my channel. But just for ease of like, you know, that stuff takes time. Uh, an investment significantly time investment from me just for these i i say that i don't do any sponsorships from brands i don't already know and use anymore and so yeah that's definitely cut down the number of sponsorships i can actually accept but i personally am okay with that i think everyone needs to draw their own line somewhere and i'm not saying that mine is the one that everyone has to go with you could for sure like a brand reaches out and you're like hey this pdf editor looks kind of cool i'll check it out yeah, seems to work well. I'm happy to recommend this to my audience. Absolutely no shame in that. There is nothing wrong with that at all. I'm just saying that I can't be bothered to do the stage where I yeah, check it no, out. Fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and is it mostly like design related sponsor sponsorship opportunities or like do you sometimes get like totally random things? Oh yeah. It's a complete mix. It's okay. honestly mostly pretty, pretty random stuff. Um, a lot of Amazon sellers will reach out being like, hey, you want to oh. promote this? LED light thing and I'm like not really no, no. <laughs> um in my opinion the best sponsored content on YouTube is when it's integrated I've done two types of sponsored content one where it's sort of like a an ad read like this is sponsored by x and then getting into the topic sort of like podcasts do really and that was Squarespace sponsored a series uh, that did a chunk of videos one year where it was at the start I would be like you know like 24 seven support templates, blah, blah, blah. And say the thing. And I did some cute um, animations along with it to, to make it fun. There's that type of sponsorship. And then there's also when it's integrated. So I've done some for Webflow like this, 
where I'm like using Webflow in the video, or maybe it's a part of like top five responsive design tips, that sort of thing. And I'm using Webflow to demonstrate the tips and Webflow is sponsored the video. So it's like integrated into the content and there's a good fit. I think that's the type of sponsorship that performs best in my opinion. And um, because it's more involved, that type of sponsorship, you can charge more for it as well. So more than like the ad read type of thing. Because it's more engaging. Yeah, it's more engaging. I think it's better all around. It's better for the brand too that um, the audience is seeing you actually use the thing and it's not just like a shout out that they have to sit through and get past in order to get into the video, you know? And how involved is like, say, Webflow in like your video creation process? Like, do they review and help you write the script or do you kind of just like make a video and get them to sort of approve it? So different brands will have different ways they want to do this sort of stuff. And so it's up to you whether once you hear what their process is, if you are happy to go along with that or not. I've heard stories from fellow creators that brands have like requested three rounds of edits and that sort of thing. And oh, wow. Yeah, that's just a lot of work. Um, so, you know, make sure you have it in writing up front. Just have a contract, you know, just like we say with design work, you should be doing this for YouTube as well. I've had a few different ways it's worked. Usually I prefer to share a script beforehand with what I'm planning on saying with the brand so that they can have a chance to uh, be like, oh, actually, could you say this instead? Or actually, our product doesn't do that. Could you take that bit out? And that saves me editing later. So it's much faster <laughs> to write a script and share it than it is to film a video and then share it and then have to refilm or re-edit because something was wrong. Yeah, that sounds like too much work. Yeah, exactly. I had one brand once where I shared it. It was like a sponsored vlog because I was in, I was actually in an ad spot that they filmed and then they sponsored a video on my channel of like the behind the scenes if that makes sense Mm -hmm. when I shared the video with them they were like okay we can't have any logos from other companies in the vlog so um can you please like edit out the logo on your laptop and I was like look buddy literally nobody is going to confuse this video as an ad for apple because (laughs) there is a two second shot of an apple logo on my macbook in like a time lapse I didn't say it in quite those words, but it was that exact sentiment that I got across. Oh my (laughs) gosh. um, They were like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But that could have been an issue, you know, especially if I had had my laptop with all its stickers all over it, for example, to then have to blur all them out. I don't know. Just be careful and um, make sure that both of you know what's expected of each other throughout. So I like to set timelines for feedback rounds, for like getting approval, for making sure I'm paid before the video goes live. Just like I do with design work, I treat things exactly the same in YouTube. Yeah, this sounds so similar to like the design process that we've talked a lot about on the show. Well, and to be honest, it's only because I made it similar to the design process. A lot of YouTubers (laughs) don't work in this way. And that's why a lot of content creators, YouTubers are like stuck complaining about brands who owe them this much money and haven't paid them. It's the same as designers who work for clients and give them the work before they're paid. Like, I don't know, seems obvious to me, but hey, each to their own. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing a bit more about that. I'm I'm not quite at the stage where I'm like trying to monetize my channel yet, but it's good to keep in mind for the future. And as I try to grow my channel, think about what potential opportunities there might be for me. Yeah, you should for sure be open to it. There's no like, there's no shame in wanting to make money from your content, from the work you're putting in either. I think that we don't all just have to do this for the good of the world. Like 
for sure, you deserve to be paid for your time. And if there's a company who is willing to do that, that's awesome. And well done you for making a thing happen. Um, you also don't have to sit around and wait for brands to reach out to you. You could also reach out to them. This is what I did with Webflow. I think they had sponsored maybe like one or two videos of mine. Maybe maybe one, I don't know. Maybe it was none yet, but we were like friendly. When Squarespace wanted to re-up our like contract we had together and like have a video a month for a year sponsored by Squarespace, but the catch was I couldn't talk about any other uh, website building tool and mm -hmm. I was like I use Webflow for my own site and I like sharing the process of building my site yeah. so I wouldn't have been able to do that so instead I went to Webflow and I was like hey would you be interested in sponsoring a video a month oh, uh, instead of Squarespace yeah. and they were like yeah great let's do it so you can reach out to companies too you don't have to wait for them to come to you if you've got an idea if especially if it's a tool that perhaps you've made a video about before and you've got ideas for future videos that um you know could go along with that especially if the first video has had some success they're probably going to be really excited to to work with you and to further that relationship good point all right i'm going to do some thinking about this i have so many ideas now i'm just very excited for the, for the year ahead of of creating videos so thanks for uh, igniting my my passion it's really great i'm excited to see what you do i think this is cool and i think if anyone listening is feeling excited about starting a YouTube channel or, you know, keeping going with one after listening to this episode, do it. Yes, please do yeah, it. There is please. room for all of us. Like we said at the start, we want to see more design YouTube channels out there. Totally. Well, thank you for sharing your, what, six years of wisdom now that you've had I on guess. YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, crazy. You are yeah. such a rock star. If you're listening and have never seen Charlie's channel, you definitely need to check it out. Charlie Marie TV. It's got such amazing design educational content there. Also, if you want to keep leveling up your design skills, then check out our Patreon, which we announced last week. We now have switched our community to Patreon. So if you want to support the show and meet like-minded creatives and get feedback on your work, check in on goals, just have general chit chats about design, then check out our Patreon. You can join our community over there. Yes, we would love to have you. And we will make sure the links to both of our YouTube channels, because you should definitely subscribe to FEMS as oh, well, shucks. are in the show notes. <laughs> so that you can easily find them. Good chat to you, Fem. Thanks for the chat, Charlie. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.